0: On this episode of Resi Week, Sound United acquires BW and Infocom Connected. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. 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 This is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is ResiWeek in Episode 228, Sounds United.
2: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. And by Just Add Power, the global leader in video over IP solutions with systems that give
1: you easy installation, unmatched scalability, and outstanding
0: performance. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week, your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv, and this week, we are pleased to be joined by a whole bunch of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Jeremy Gowaki. He is the executive editor of Residential Tech Today. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Then we have Katie McGregor-Bennett. She is the president of KMB Communications. How are you, ma'am?
2: Oh, I'm doing great. Doing great.
0: Glad to be here. Thank you for being here. Then we have Peter Aylett coming to us from uh, somewhere across the pond. I'm assuming you're in London today. Close. Close, not far. Close enough. He <laughs> is a uh, partner at HTE. How are you, sir? Splendid and tremendous. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for being here. And last, but certainly not least, we have Mike Respropo. He is the owner of Respropo Innovations. How are you, sir?
3: Very good. Thank you for having me.
0: We've kind of got everything covered. We've got the middle. we got Europe. We've got the the mountains. we got the coast. It's going to be a fun show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that made the, uh, I don't want to say the weird news, but it was announced at a very odd time. It was late, late, late in the day, not even like 5 p.m. West Coast, like, I don't know, nine o'clock Eastern time. Sound United is planning to acquire Barron's and Wilkins, uh, otherwise known as B. And W, not B M W. That's the car. This is the speaker. All right. Uh, this is a story that comes to us from Residential Tech Today and Jeremy Glowacki. So we will start with you, sir. the The odd timing of this announcement. Uh, besides the fact, this is not something that I expected. This is not something that I even heard a rumor that they were looking for a partner or looking to sell or. Looking for anything? This kind of came out of left field, uh, especially because it is BMW. This is one of those stalwart brands that's been around forever and seems to be incredibly stable. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you see from this? Were, were, were you surprised by this? Is this a huge move for Sound United?
1: Yeah, I mean, Sound United is uh, is. Looking at world domination right now, it looks like in this uh, this space, I mean, they just keep acquiring more and more audio brands. And uh, I was really perplexed by the Friday announcement. I, I did uh, kind of ask around and it's um, it's one of those things that maybe just because it wasn't closed yet, they just didn't want to field a bunch of questions about it. They wanted to get the news out there, but it's sort of odd because that's the PR berry day, you know, like, yeah. You know, and you talk about how late in the day it was even, you know, on top of that. So um, I, (laughs) I spoke to someone who won't be be named that was involved in one of the announcements that was pieced together. And she said she might've been a couple glasses into her Friday night when she found out that she needed to put some words together. So um, I, uh, I'm still trying to piece it together. Not everything ends up closing. Sound United's had some deals that haven't gone through in the end, Mm -hmm. so um, this could be one of those ones where they just wanted to put out some feelers early to see what the response was. Um, B&W has had some leadership changes over the recent years, so it's not that stable, you know. I would say, even though the brand is very well known, very well respected, and the quality of their products are great, um, I just think that uh, it may be uh, a stronger. Financially stronger company acquiring a, a company that's been a little bit uh, shaky in terms of where they're going.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting, Katie. Um, I, I'm really glad you're on because I'm still I can't get over the fact of how this was released. It, it, the Timing. <laughs> it, the, the timing is just obscene. It, it, it really is. When you get past the 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 potential for this to be purchased, it, it, is this something we're likely? They had this in the works. It was going to maybe come out today, um, and somebody saw it or somebody made it, you know, an, an implication that they were going to leak this. Is that more likely what this is? Because announce an announcement about a potential acquisition, it's just messy.
2: It it is, and and like Jeremy said, you know, from a from a PR Berry day. I mean, that's definitely you know Friday. There's. I think it's kind of backing up. I mean, there's you know, there's timing is everything, and particularly in PR strategy. Um, yeah, and when news is ready to go for beginning of the week, sometimes it makes sense to send it over to editors early on the day, on Friday, <laughs> before they get ahead of their weekends with with a note that goes along that says, hey, just you know, doing a favor, getting this over to you early for next week. Based on your writing timeline, here here you go. You know, thanks for your support, kind of thing. But I'm just giving you a little extra time. Certainly a strategy there. And Jeremy, I, I you know I, I've done that with with you over the years, and I I think that certainly is appreciated. But when it doesn't kind of go over with that sort of a delivery, and it's that late in the day, and and you've got PR people saying, yeah, I just heard about this myself too. That does um, that does tend to make you make a question um you know i'm not on the front end of that so i can't you know i speak with no authority whatsoever but it does it definitely does kind of raise raise the eyebrow eyebrow and i think you know it's this this brand has just sort of been a little challenged over (laughs) over over the years so it doesn't really come as much of a surprise it is a very interesting move though when you consider the stable that sound united has amassed over the years Mm -hmm. and how they are supporting those brands in the ci channel um you know, and, and Mike, maybe you've got some, some experience there. I, you know, I, I don't know. But, you know, I think that, um, you know, sometimes when brands come into the control of those who really understand the custom market and the custom installation process, great things can happen there. Timing is really weird. Yeah, that's
3: really weird. <laughs> you
2: know, that's, I'm just going to pause on that. Timing is really, yes. is really weird. And the fact that it's not closed yet. Not that, that, that there's a precedent there. We, there was another deal that was announced quite recently, and that one also is not yet closed. Um, and that one's huge. But, you know, I think, so, you know, I don't want to over speculate too much there, but again, timing is everything and this is cool. Kind of a little odd.
0: Yeah. Peter, let let, let me come to you real quick. Uh, Katie brought up the brand of B&W. It it is a very strong brand. It is one of those, uh, my company's never personally sold B&W, but it is one of those brands we come up against all the time where you get somebody who maybe, dare I say, doesn't know a ton about the space. But they want a really high-end brand. They want b is the the line they want. Being acquired by Sound United and put into again, good company with Denon, Polk, Marantz, Def Tech, Kiosk, Class A, Boston Acoustics, etc. Like that's a good stable of brands. But maybe they don't have the cachet that b might have from a consumer standpoint. Is this something that could be? Um, detrimental to the to the b&w brand or, or does ownership matter in this case
4: I, I i don't think the average person that buys bowers and wilkins has any knowledge whatsoever or any care who the company's holding company is there are very 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 few brands in the industry or in generally in consumer electronics that you can call iconic and you'd, you'd have to say that bowers and wilkins are one of those I don't know, maybe five, six, seven truly I- iconic brands. And just on a sort of separate note, whenever I go to the Munich high-end show, um, which has now become the world's biggest and probably most important high-end audio audio show, uh, happens in Munich in Germany most Mays. Didn't happen this May, but hopefully next year. Most I'll go mays. on the angri- uh, annual pilgrimage again and uh, eat port knuckle and drink fabulous Munich beer. But the thing that always strikes me every time I go to that show is does the world really need another loudspeaker company that there just seem to be loudspeaker companies popping up here, there and everywhere. and. I think there's there's now really very, very little to, to, to separate a lot of them. Back, back in the day when material science was a black art, we didn't have computers to model things. It was really, really difficult to make a competent loudspeaker. These days, it's much, much, much simpler to make a pretty competent loudspeaker and you, you pays your money, you takes your choice. There's not that many bad loudspeakers out there. So what really separates a lot of them as far as the consumer's concerned, and for me as a custom installer, if I put a proposal in front of a company and my loudspeakers are from some random unknown company, I've probably got to back that up with some reason why I sell it. You have Bowers and Wilkins on that proposal, and the chances are the customer's gonna go, ah, Bowers and Wilkins. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard of them. And really, when you're, when you're trying to sell in a very, very, very noisy environment, and I, you know, noisy, it, it's, it's not meant to be a pun. We're talking commercially noisy. We're talking loads and loads and loads of different loudspeaker manufacturers, all competing for the same space with really very little between them. We had loudspeaker manufacturers coming out of their ears saying, want to sell our speakers? And the question is, so what's different? And they, they, they gave the spiel and go, well, so really, nothing's different, you're just like everyone else. But with, with Bowers & Wilkins, um, I'm sure that a big part of it is Sound United looking at it and going, wow, this, this could be as iconic an iconic anchor brand as we could ever hope for.
0: Yeah, very much so. All right, Mike, we'll give you kind of the the final word on this one. As mm-hmm. as, as the the only other dealer, uh, you know, Peter and yourself on this, when you when you see this, when you follow this, and if you're a Sound United dealer, what does this mean to you? I I, I would make the assumption, because this is normally what happens, that now once this deal closes, if it closes, that not every uh, integrator or dealer who's a Sound United dealer will have access to the b line but if that happens how do you how do you position this how do you how do you leverage this when all of a sudden you might have access to that iconic brand as peter alluded to when you've already got this stable of brands that you work with
3: it's almost like christmas you know you have been given this This out of nowhere, like we've been under this COVID and whatever funk, and we've been given this pearl out of nowhere. So there will be dealers that had no chance to be anywhere near this product, which will have an opportunity. That doesn't mean they're going to achieve anything, because at this realm, to sell something at this price point, you need a customer. And if you're not used to selling at this level, then it doesn't matter you could have all the resources in the world no one will buy anything so but bmw that i remember seeing the nautilus and seeing their speaker and and crowding it like wow and you didn't even have to turn it on you just wanted to look at it and that's that perceived value that went beyond its sonic ability it was the, it was its look its feel that that you know that internal that feeling like when someone oh i I have a, a McLaren, but you know, people, you know, people still love saying I have my Ferrari, or Lamborghini, even though there seems to be brands that have exceeded them. This is one of those Ferrari brands where it's, the brand name is common enough that everyone knows it. It's high enough where people perceive it as the best brand that you can buy. And I'm sure there's brands that are better and worse, but the perceived the average individual is like, wow, that's the best speaker. And when you ask them, if you were just to ask people like, tell me a really good speaker brand, average person would be like BMW. That's like, that's the best. And that, to have that ability in your stable of brands, that's probably one of uh, one of the biggest things that you can, um, you can really do. And I think that will also bring more recognition and everything into their stable, giving them more, you know, more control.
0: Yeah, very much so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on from that to our next story of the day. This comes to us from avnation.tv. Uh, our editor, Lenore, sat down with Mr. David Labuscus to talk about Infocom 20 and its virtual experience. Uh, this show was recorded on Monday, but it will post on Wednesday, which will be the second day of Infocom Connected. So a lot of people will already have uh, experienced the virtual Trade show, uh, but there will be a couple more days where you can do that. Katie, let me, let me start with you on this. I want to say the first time we met was at an Infocom uh, running the show floor. I feel like. Well, in
2: person. In, in person. person. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was Infocom. Um, I think that was the, the Johnny Moda chair. Meeting, I, that, I think it was that same show, and so. yeah, because we have been stalking each other on social for years prior to that. So, um, you know, such it's as
0: so, it is. So let's when you say stalking versus doesn't it?
2: I, yeah, I say that we were <laughs> yeah. stalking each other. So yes, yeah, thank you exactly. for that. You know, as you do because you know, exactly. they tweets. We stalk each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah.
0: This is the first major show in, in our world to go fully virtual. Yeah. What do you expect to see from this? Uh, obviously, you're going to kind of cover this as somebody who covers the, the industry a little bit, but you also work with a lot of manufacturers. Uh, had this show been going on, we would have had, I don't know, four or five booked <laughs> interviews with you and your clients. <laughs> At least. How do a day. Yeah, you would have walked me around the floor <laughs> for like half a day.
2: k tours, who loves them, right? All Very much so. I just smile and nod. <laughs> how, do you,
0: how do you go about planning for this? How, how do you develop this? It, it, you've had some time, probably not enough time because none of us had enough time. How do you go about leveraging the virtual aspect of this?
2: It's, that it's tough. It's tough. Uh, you know, so I, it, it, full transparency here. It's tough, Matt. Um, it, from a PR perspective, it's, it's a completely different, uh, completely different game. You know, we, we provide show support to all of our to our manufacturer clients that are exhibiting in major shows like this. That means, you know, our work starts, it's kind of a 90, 120 day window, you know, like you guys on the media side as well. So, you know, by April First, we're kind of already <laughs> totally into Infocom mode, and none of that's happening. Um, the, without having editorial appointments and without having as a, sort of an on site um, uh, coverage aspect from, from the different trades, how we're communicating to them in a way that's meaningful because they're not covering the show in the same capacity either. Um, and, and a lot of manufacturers, honestly, sorry, fix an Infocom, but a lot of manufacturers are going, you know what? We're going to change our plans. And hopefully this is okay for everyone to hear, but I, I say that's okay because what it also did is allowed us as an industry to uncouple, decouple, uncouple, decouple, I should know this, decouple, um, decouple from from these trade show centric timelines for product introductions. Yeah. And over the years, last the last few years especially, it's become really hard from a U.S., from North American based companies to kind of fall in line and do an, a... Annual product release when you've got ISE in February, you've got Infocom in June, and then you've got Expo, CD Expo in September. And if you've got a company that's got an international footprint and commercial and residential, there's sort of these three annual events that have dictated when products get introduced. The problem is, is as the industry has evolved and there's that hybrid group in the middle of the resi commercials, and that percentage is growing every year, how do you cater to, to all of those audiences mm-hmm. and break things up into threes every year? It just becomes it became cumbersome. So I think, you know, if, as professionals, if we stand back from it, go, okay, cool. So we just, we got a bit of a break this year in, in that timeline. We didn't know it was coming, so we didn't get to take full advantage of it. But imagine <laughs> if you will, if product introduction started in January for the entire industry <laughs> and, and you guys on the integration side started to get insight and get those from, get the information and get your training and actually have access to that products on the front end of the year as opposed to that kind of eking it out over the course of the year. I just think as an industry, we'd be able to, to produce a much better end product to to our audience. So it's as unfortunate it was that it happened. I actually, you know, I'm kind of a silver lining got a gal anyways, but I see this as being a potential opportunity to look at 2021 and beyond from an NPI, a new product introduction standpoint and start to put a more realistic timeline to that. That works best for the integration community And on the commercial side, the buying schedules that take place, you know, you've got different buying schedules for ed, you've got different buying Mm -hmm. schedules for, you know, government and that, you know, so we just, I just feel like we've had a lot of conflict that as an industry, we've been accommodating and now those shackles are off. So, um, you know, I think it's up to us to use this first Infocom virtual to learn from it, but don't judge it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much. You know, so. we and we can't judge it. You know, this was put together very quickly. It's a platform that isn't tested. We've tried to do virtual trade shows before and the masses didn't rise. Um and I was, you know, I was one of them. We certainly supported them, but it's a funky environment. I I'm not convinced this is going to be not funky, but I'm willing to invest the time and and support to help us get a better product in 2021 and beyond and I hope that the virtuals continue long run, but there you go.
0: Yeah, I I really think that the the MPI side of that is hopefully going to be kind of the biggest takeaway that we go down that vein of because every time every year at infocom you see something cool and i would mention it to somebody i know who works at edu and they're like yeah that's awesome we can't get it into a into a purchase schedule I'm like what exactly and they go down that vein and you know government guys as you as you mentioned same thing mike when you walk the show floor when you when you see it again you're coming at it as a as a dealer Um, as as I kind of do half the time that I'm on the show floor as well. With it not being on your schedule this year, officially, you're not flying anywhere, you're not going anywhere to go see all of this stuff, has it dropped off your radar a little bit?
3: Honestly, this whole event has made everything made me really look at brands. And then while you're watching social, you've seen this influx of new technology, a lot of like facial and temperature and all that. And then as I read more, like you see all these differences and blah, blah, blah. And my point is these show floors were a place where I could find all this and I can look through all this stuff. And figure out what works, what doesn't. See the 10 of the same thing and really kind of beat them up. And that was something that not having that. And now kind of like it's, I um, I find myself doing a lot more homework on trying to find products where I, I had an opportunity where I condensed it. And it was nonstop Now it's every day I'm looking, and I I quite I honestly think I spend more time looking for product than I did going to these trade shows.
0: Yeah, that's very true, Jeremy. When you when you kind of follow this, as as Katie said, this is probably potentially going to be a little funky. It's going to be that 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 complete virtual experience. We're we're hearing that. Um, some other shows down the road. Obviously, CD Expo is going to be virtual as well. But even in the future, that if this plays fairly well, this is going to be an added component to the majority of shows going forward, uh, at least a virtual aspect. And Infocom has been one of the shows that has been, dare I say, petitioned like a ton to have virtual aspects so that if people can't attend... That they can actually partake in something beyond just as as Katie says um stalking on Twitter, what do you see ha- have to happen for this show to to come off and and be very effective?
1: I'm having the hardest time imagining what this experience is going to be like before I go through it. I mean it's just so new to me that I can't compare it to the physical trade show at all. It just doesn't seem like there's any corollary at all. It's like um, how when, when I go to a trade show, I have to schedule my time, like down to the 15 minute mark. I have a schedule. I don't even eat because it's just too tight of a day. I put like a bag of peanuts in my bag and that's about as good as I can get until the end of the day. And when it's I'm looking at this than the
0: food on the show floor.
1: It is better. Yeah. But but the, <laughs> hey, the press room is not terrible. Um, I could just never get there. Um, so when um, I look at the lineup for Infocom, you know, I see the training sessions, and that makes a lot of sense as a virtual element. That's that's a no-brainer. Like you can sit for an hour listening to, you know, a, a training um, session, a keynote address, something like that. That to me is is perfect for this type of environment. I just don't really understand the trade show floor part of it yet. I don't get virtual booths. Uh, you know, I, I know some of these these platforms. You literally have oh, you put your make your virtual person, and you're walking in there, and you're actually passing other little virtual people. And I just don't see that happening. I'm not a video games guy. You know, sorry, I'm not, and I, I don't imagine myself actually feeling great about that little boxy guy walking into a booth and then what, what happens after that you type in a question and it's just, it's so weird. Um, I feel like I almost need a little more guidance through this process before it happens. I don't really even know what to expect. Um, but I do think that it's obviously got to be a part of what our future is going to be, whether it means you just can't make the trip and there's a, a component that's available to you post COVID. Um, or if it really starts to replace. I don't see that happening. I still think in person's gonna be part of our world. Um, but I, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see. I'm gonna participate just so that I know how to plan for CD because that's the show that really counts for me. I don't I don't need Infocom. I was at Infocom last year in person. I realized, you know, it's a, it's good to kind of kick the tires and see what else is out there on the commercial side, but my coverage is residential and um, I need to figure out what's going on with Cedia. And hopefully it's a similar, but maybe improved experience at that point because of learning lessons from others.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because it brings us to Mr. Aylett, the exact person I wanted to talk to about Expo, Uh, especially because you've never gone to Infocom. So questions about Infocom make no sense to you. Just, it's a whole other game. Peter, when, when you see this, when you're following this, which I, I trust at the very least, you're gonna follow it a little bit. Seeing a, a major partner for Cedia, right? They, they uh, Cedia and Avixa do ISE together, present ISC together. When you see the fact that Infocom is going to jump into this, you know, about two months after, uh, you know, the rumors started to fly that it wasn't gonna happen emerald expositions and cedia have you know another three months give or take uh until expo happens in early september which is already going to be a virtual show is it early enough that members from that that group can kind of you know see what infocom has done with this uh, by next week and make changes if needed or 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 change directions a little bit or is it something where this is probably already set in stone, and they might be able to make a couple of tweaks, but the majority of the the process is down.
4: I think ev- ev- everything is up for 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 learning. It it would be a very very foolish person that says that they couldn't watch other people do something and and learn from their mistakes. And I'm, I've you know huge kudos to to Avixa for putting on something that's just um, with with so little notice and the, and the programme looks fantastic. Let's get my days right. We're recording this on Monday, mm-hmm. but assuming it's Wednesday, my diary for yesterday and today is virtual Infocom of ICSA, absolutely packed. I'm gonna be attending loads and loads of sessions. And I think when, when you look at shows, you've, you've got to look at what, what jobs does a show do? What are the different jobs that a show does? Um, they introduce you to new new products. You can do that virtually. There's a lot of learning. You can do that virtually. You have meetings. You can do that virtually. There's there's loads of other things you can do virtually. There's then all the things that you you just can't do virtually. As as an industry, we're all about delivering experiences to our customers, and a big part of that experience is the touchy feely side. What does this thing feel like? You know, when I get deep into the menus, how does it feel? What's my experience? You can't do that virtually having those deep face to face conversations with someone really reading someone reading their body language you can't really do that that random networking that happens with with the random drunk bloke in a random bar at 2 o'clock in the morning that ends up not only being a lifelong friendship but a really good business relationship you can't you can't necessarily do that but when you when you look at the education side it's interesting because so much of um every education in every industry has already started to go virtual Mm -hmm. and if you if you look at the the general learning pathway you go from knowledge to understanding to skills to competence and the knowledge and uh, some of the understanding are those sitting in a classroom getting bombarded with powerpoint slides and that's just not a great way to learn put all of that online Put, have all of that virtually, it's a much, much, much better way of learning the knowledge and the understanding part, which then leaves much more time when we get back together, when we're able to have the face-to-face, to take that knowledge and understanding and apply it to skills and then eventually make it competence. But from a CDIA perspective, we had a, a call week before last with all of the instructors that are going to be teaching. And I, there was a real mix of utter, total fear. And massive, massive, massive excitement, fear because we've never done this before. Excitement because we've never done this before, and this <laughs> this is this is really cool. This is a completely new platform. We've 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 got to relearn how to teach. We've got to relearn how to deliver information. We've got to relearn how to make, meet a learning objective. We've got to relearn how to deliver a really interactive, immersive learning environment. Uh, with disparate people from all around the world and the all around the world thing is really 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 exciting Because the na- the nature of an expo is that you're gonna get the majority of visitors at a US expo being from the US Because most most people simply can't take the time or bear the expense of sending people the second it goes online This is a massive massive um, global opportunity for trade associations like Cedia and Avixa and all the others to, to to say to the world, well, we're all this is a level playing field now. This is th- this is the same for for everyone, and that's um, again a real opportunity for us as CEDIA to to look at the education schedule and think how can we make this genuinely, truly international, in a way that when you're delivering it at a US show, it, it's always going to be slightly US centric. So yeah it's a it's a mixture of excitement and fear um and uh, yeah huge kudos to to Evixa for putting something up and i'm I'm going to be glued to the session taking notes what went well what what didn't work um, and then because some some things are going to be awesome some things some things won't work and yeah there they're going to be a lot of people from a lot of different associations across a lot of different industries watching these first association virtual conferences, picking them apart and and learning from them. So thank you, Avixa. My session will be great though, right? Of course. Perfect.
2: Well, and the aviation sessions as well. Yes. You know, yes, Tim's moderating, of course. Which actually, I was going to jump in and say, you know, to to Peter's point, the the insights um, that are going to be shared in the these courses and sessions that are that are scheduled, there is a ton of really good info in there. So I think you know, it's it's the way that I look at the trade shows is there's one that's sort of the exhibit the the exhibits and the show floor side of it, and then there's the education and the insight gathering side of it. I think what what is unproven and, and yet to be determined is how the exhibit side of things play out. Um, and quite honestly, I'm not expecting very much there. Just, you know, I've seen the platform um, and it's, Jeremy, it is kind of like what you were talking about. It is that sort of funky virtual space and that funky virtual podium with the three potential products that you can hover over and learn more about. You know, and, but that's what's available today and that's what was able to be bolted on for this event now. I think that this is gonna be a much more education and um, industry insight gathering <laughs> event and for that i say bring it on because we're at such a volatile stage within the industry with technology rapidly evolving standards changing and a lot of the the names of the players are changing pretty quickly too so i think you know if if for no other reason for those of you're listening in you know get in on the courses and the sessions that are still yet to take place and, and just immerse yourself in it and glean the knowledge um and and then figure out what to do and do with it on the other side looking forward to cd expo i think that's that's really what we can expect and i think that is what we should expect. Um, You know, I think from the exhibitor standpoint, we as exhibitor support teams, we have to figure out how to make that virtual experience work. And the platforms just may not be there this year, but there's still a ton of knowledge and insight that can be gained. And the more that we all soak that up this year, the better positioned we are for, for recovery in 2020, 2020 back half in 2021. So um, a little bit of a PSA for, the, for those who are maybe still on the, on the fence, not deciding, you know, not quite yet deciding on what to do, but just go and learn and take away as much knowledge as you can.
4: I, I think one really interesting thing about having it virtual is I'm sure we're all guilty that when we go to a face-to-face trade show, we go and see our friends so we, we tend to sort of make a beeline for the booths that we know people on and you spend 20 minutes chatting from about complete nonsense and then five minutes talking about the product. I wonder how different it's gonna be when we don't have that level of social interaction. Maybe it'll encourage us to go into virtual booths that we've never heard of before because none of our mates are there. So we might actually spend more time discovering new things rather than um spending time just keeping old relationships alive, yeah it's going to be
0: very interesting to see all right ladies and gentlemen let's leave it there that is going to do it for today thank you all for joining us jeremy if people want to connect with you learn more about residential tech today where can they do that
1: please go to res tech today Dot com and subscribe to the ma- magazine right now the uh, digital subscription is free to the magazine we are a newsstand publication so we have a f- typically have a newsstand price but during uh, this these unprecedented times we've uh, we've waived that fee to get people uh, great information so thanks thanks for having me
0: excellent and your cover uh, this week or this month has uh, this old house host mr mr. Kevin
1: yeah, we broke we broke the uh, ginger barrier. We finally got a ginger on the cover. So
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> moment a transition from that. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: goodness! Wow, Katie, my friend, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about KMB or any of your clients, where can they do that?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, pretty much, CanBe Communications. You find us all over the socials. CanBecom.com is our web. Um, if anything you find there client information, podcast, etc. Love to hear from you guys.
0: Beautiful. Mr. Ailitt, thank you for joining us. People want to connect with you, learn more about HTE. Where can they do that?
4: I've just thrown up my nice corporate background. You can go to www.hte.design. HTE's home theater environments, and we build um, what we call acoustic interior design, which is fusing uh, really, really cool um, interior design vision with acoustics. And if you want to find me on Twitter, it's get more gadgets.
0: Very good. All right, Mister Mister Respo, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you, I'm I'm a little disappointed I didn't get the fireside chat view.
3: Oh, but, you know, yeah, I, that's. That's for fire. I, I don't take
0: personal. I no. just I, I just I'm reading into it. That's all.
3: No, no, and you should. No, no, no. So <laughs> you know that let me just motivate you to get on the show. And that's for um and that that kind of you know what we've been doing as we've been a lot of us been locked down. We were doing a lot more content and everything. And you can find us on Nepo, on Facebook, you can find us on Restrepo Innovation and uh and those fireside that you just brought up you know you can check us out and you know open invitation to everybody here definitely would love to get people on fireside to chat let's see uh where the technology and where things are going and again thank you so much for having me
0: thank you so much for being here for myself if you'd like to connect with me you can find me at matt D. Scott on twitter and pretty much every other social platform but more importantly please stop by TV, where you'll find the show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.